0: Hi, and welcome to Highly Social. Uh, Today's broadcast is brought to you by Golden Cricket Protein Bars. Golden Cricket utilizes the most sustainable protein source on the planet. Crickets! Yes, the insects! And it comes in a delicious flavor of peanut butter, chocolate, banana. Why crickets? Because they are 65% protein by weight, and they have more nutrients and use less water to produce than literally any other protein source. Go to goldencricket.com and use promo code EATEN for 10% off. Nice. Uh, We are also sponsored by uh, Joker Designs, uh, J-O-K-R Designs on Instagram. They're running some really cool holiday specials that I think are even better than my discount code. So go check them out. Uh, It's the beautiful bong with the honeycomb perk and the straight tube and the beaker bottom. You can buy individual pieces or all three. Uh now that is over let's get into the podcast. Um I am solo dolo today. It's just mic time. Um I missed last week. I've had a lot of stuff going on and uh there's like a few of you that actually listen to this podcast and <laughs> that still trips me the fuck out that anybody's like, "Hey man, you know what I'm going to do with my time? I'm going to listen to this retard." Uh but I'm very grateful that you guys have uh, decided to do that. Um, I had an interesting couple of weeks. So, uh, Thanksgiving week, uh, I went with Galen. I don't even know if I, I may have updated after that. I don't remember, but I went with Galen and we got back, uh, from Florida. And I, uh, somehow in Florida got a sinus infection and an ear infection that perforated my left eardrum. So for like three days, I was just a deaf guy on the left side. And that was crazy. Uh, and then, uh, uh, a good friend of our of mine and uh, a big piece of the Austin comedy scene, Adam Hartle, passed away very suddenly of a heart attack. Uh, and so kind of dealing with that, uh, I uh, went uh, – yeah, I've just been kind of dealing with that. And then I just got back this morning from Las Vegas. Um, I met a group of people at the Creek in the Cave – one night and uh it came out that i'm a raiders fan go raiders and uh they wanted to do a show at the raiders tailgate uh so they got me tic- uh, plane tickets and uh, tickets to the game and uh then i was going to do time at the game and then they were in a car accident uh and uh so no event so i went to vegas for nothing but i did get to see my good friend scott groves on uh, hanging out with his kids so that was nice um yeah, so I a solo episode, the pacing on this is going to be weird because it's just me. Um, but I wanted to uh, talk about a couple of things. Um, so uh, th- there's, you know, anytime that someone uh, passes away in the comedy community, it's very sad. And, you know, a lot of us uh, comedians are party people. You know, we drink and we do the drugs and we... Uh, smoke the things and all of that. And that's, that's fine. That's fun. And I think that that's a piece of any artistic community, but it is a bummer uh, that it lends to so many deaths. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, it's kind of a, a chicken or an egg discussion. Like do people that are prone to suicide and overdose and risk taking behavior get into comedy or are comedians, bad at drugs you know what what is what's the answer here i think it's a little bit of both um you know this is a a topic that i you know the conversation i've been having with a lot of people recently is like uh why do we do what we do and why are we all um so different but pretty fucked up similarly uh and i think you know the best answer i've come up with is that um comedy uh, if, if you break it down like hey why aren't women usually funny well women don't need to be funny because they have a hole right and like so they, they've never had to be like hey I need to be better as a mating partner so laugh at me you know that wasn't like a benefit uh and like because of of the division of of labor in society when we went from uh, you know, hunter-gatherer to a pastoral and agricultural society. The women were taken out of labor and then were put into a child-rearing capacity. So now that they're further separated from the labor, if you just follow those rules, they're going to have a less of a economic impact. So, like, right? They they are like they don't have to be funny. And then men, you got all this other stuff. Like, you you got to have differentiating things. So then, like, men are funny. But then, which people are funnier? and what is funny and why would you need it one it's a, a mating tool but it's also um possibly more importantly so a coping mechanism and i think that that's why um there are women that are funny because it is a coping mechanism um like they, they it's harder for them to come by because of honest feedback and whatnot but you know like the, the coping mechanism of comedy to deal with things has always been crucial um i know for me that that's uh my first introduction to comedy was anytime I was sad or upset about things. I had uh comedy like uh, most of my most painful memories have a Netflix special or comedy special or album associated with them because I just played it on fucking repeat. Uh, so, you know, the, the people that have taken a coping mechanism and a, a mating tool and turned it into a career and life, um, you know, they're probably not going to have like a super healthy relationship with validation. Um, you know, the, the, the need to find approval from random strangers for your thoughts, um, can be healthy and an artistic expression, but also lends to, uh, an unhealthy relationship with that validation. So I think that that's where you get this storm of all the things that lend to comedians being, uh, so bad at living a long time. And, uh, I think that the, all of those things are what makes Adam's death so much more tragic uh, is that he was a very rare case. Um, If you didn't have the privilege or pleasure of knowing Adam, uh, he won an open mic contest the very first time he tried comedy uh, and and stayed with it. And because of um, some, you know, very intelligent decisions in his personal life, you know, he'd been able to travel for comedy and, uh, do a lot of things that you know people may be more confined by a day job weren't and so he had a very interesting uh career path with with comedy. He filmed a comedy special uh where he and his best friend Anthony went and smoked the very first and bought the very first legal weed in america and It's like man that's what a fucking cool guy to look up to and to memorialize on the highly social pod um but you know then further than that, Adam was um unbelievably kind to everybody and uh didn't seem to need the validation of others uh that which was pretty cool and he didn't uh do any of the crazy drugs he didn't do any of the party stuff you know he would uh stay out and drink with us but his big thing was about being with the people and about enjoying the moment um robert dean bobby dean uh who is an incredible journalist uh, wrote an amazing piece uh that is on the Big Laugh Comedy website in dedication to Adam after he interviewed him and one of the stories from there that I really appreciated was one time at a Kill Tony after party Bobby and and Adam had run into each other and uh you know the the parties the, the after party at Kill Tony at Vulcan you know it can be anywhere from 40 to 80 people but you know occasionally it's 10 it's 12 and uh this was one of those lighter nights and Adam was in town and he said, Hey Bobby, you know, stick around let's show these guys some love. Uh, because Adam was always supporting everybody. Um, and, and you know, that was what he was out doing with his, his party thing. And uh, it was really cool to be a part of. Um, I met Adam and Anthony uh, at the white horse, uh local honky tonk uh, in March or April of last year, 2021. And uh, we met uh, through my ex-wife. Also, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. I'm divorced now. Hey, cool, great. Uh, It's a good year for Mike Eaton. Um, So uh, we met through my ex-wife, and uh, we became good friends. And Anthony and Adam gave me the opportunity to perform on a very cool show at the original uh, Sunset Strip at the Sunset Room downtown and uh i had a really great set and i remember uh seeing the lineup and thinking like oh fuck you know because i've had an interesting journey back to austin one story that you know i think was cool when i first got here um big laugh told me i was going to host for tony hinchcliffe and i was like oh man that's fucking amazing and i told everybody in town and i you know plugged it out and i had a few friends that even bought tables to come support Uh, Which were not cheap. And then, day of the show, morning of the show, a few hours before, I get a call uh, that Ron White is going to be dropping in. And uh, in my family, Ron White is uh, as close to uh, a saint as you can get. Uh, One of our family traditions was taking turns telling the they call me tater salad story, you know, at family gatherings. So, to get to work with him, uh, it was like the first time in my career I was like validated. Uh, And this was the end of 2020. So I was like, oh my God, you know, I'm two and a half years into comedy and I'm getting to open for Tony Hinchcliffe and Ron White. And I text my family group chat and they're all excited. And it's, you know, it's a big moment. And then about an hour before showtime, I get a call that Joe Rogan is going to be dropping in and it's like, holy fucking shit. This is how it happens. It just, that's one night. This is why I moved back to Austin. Uh, and then, about 15 minutes before showtime, uh, they pulled me out and they said, Hey, the good news is you're still getting paid. The bad news is that they brought their own host. Uh, so you're not going to get to do a spot. Uh, and I'm like, Oh, i was just a roller coaster of emotions. So I remember when I got booked on the Sunset Show, because they hadn't seen me perform, it was that same trepidation like, I'm probably just going to get bumped for somebody that's good, you know, and that's fine. But damn. And instead, Uh, They welcomed me into the green room, into the talent trailer. They fed us. They had unlimited free booze. uh, And we had a great time. And I had a great set. And then I was lucky enough to be a part of almost every sunset show. And uh, the cool relationship I had with Adam was that he did uh, comedy with a slideshow a lot of the times. And he had a clicker where he would tell jokes, then have a visual aid. And it was great because his closer. Uh, there's a video of him at uh, his uh, kids' uh, scouts party, and there's a snake, and he tries to stomp on the snake to kill it and save the kids, and he's wearing flip-flops and cargo shorts, and he gets bit by the snake, and then he would play it again, and it would have that, uh, you know, I can't think of what it's called, but the noise and it was him doing this goofy dance trying to stomp on the snake and every single time no matter how the rest of his set had gone and they always went okay but even if it hadn't gone great the that video would just crush and then I would go up next and uh, you know there's probably about 50 pictures of I'm hugging Adam getting off stage and I got a white claw in one hand and he's got his clicker in the other And, uh, you know, then I would get off stage and, you know, I would have worked on something new and he would have noticed what new thing I did and would talk about it. And, you know, we fist bump and he'd say, you know, me and you were the perfect one, too. I'll set him up and you knock him down. Uh, And it was just cool because he never he didn't care how long I'd been doing it. He didn't care about anything else. He just saw when I got up, I did well. And that was all that mattered to him. Uh, And it wasn't just me that he gave opportunities to, you know, the original sunset room needed door guys. And they asked, you know, who in the community, uh, you know, do you trust to be a door guy? And they wanted to run with the kind of model of the comedy store where the door guys are funny comedians. And it means something on a comedy level to be a door guy there, not just that you're free on those nights. Uh, and so, you know, people like David Sinifani got an opportunity to work with sunset and that's, you know, been very cool to watch and, you know Darian Irwin. You know another guest, and usually the sassmaster uh, got his introduction that way. And there's just so many nights um, at that sunset trailer, uh, and you you think about uh, the the timeline of it. So that started 2021, and it's now you know the end of 2022. Not even two full years. And, uh, of those, those months, Adam was really only here four or five days of a month. You know, he spent the rest of the time at home with his wife and his, his kids. And, uh, but he still, he made such a giant impact here. So, you know, it was very cool. And, uh, you know, they, uh, had just gotten all the paperwork done to open the new venue downtown for the new sunset. And, uh, Adam was in town for that. And, um, you know, that's the thing that really sucks about it is, uh, he had a heart condition and, you know, I, I'm sure, uh, there's you know, plenty of speculation you can do, and I don't think it does anyone any good, but he had a heart condition and, uh, had a heart attack and passed away. And, you know, I've known Adam and I've been around Adam and partied with Adam and I know it wasn't drugs cause I know Adam doesn't do drugs. Um, so it's. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, holy shit, somebody you wouldn't expect ever, uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of us, you know, they, they die. It's like, all right, it sucks. It's tragic, but it's not surprising. But with Adam, it's been a surprise and it's been, uh, really touching to see, uh, how many people, uh, have reached out about him and, uh, with concern and care about him and his situation and his family. um we will be having some kind of memorial Anthony's uh, going to be putting together. Um, you know, we put our thoughts and prayers in love with Anthony and the family and everybody could say, you know, that's just a whole nother level of loss for them. We only had Adam for a short time, so I can't imagine what they're feeling. But uh, when we have the memorial, I put uh, details on social media um, and uh, we'll figure it out from there. Um you know another uh a cool thing that uh I really appreciate them, and you know it's it's this is gonna be you know a lot of stuff on this episode, but you know a lot of gratitude uh the drinking bros are another group of people that have really helped me out, and uh, you know obviously I'm sitting in their studio and uh being uh, taken care of by the their production team and you know all of that it's been really cool um you know, they they believed in me the same way the Sunset guys did, where they're like, hey, we see something in you, and so you do it. We'll help with what we've got. You do what you've got. Uh, so, you know, my special that came out on my YouTube, um, you know, Ross and Dan were nice enough to hook up my YouTube and get me verified on there, and Anthony and Adam uh, set up and got the special recorded. And, uh, you know, that's fucking dope. It's really cool that um, in... A day and age where to have a special, you either have to have a network or a streaming service or somebody have their fucking fingers in it and and mess with the content. And is this going to sell and is this going to work and who's going to like it? Or you have to self-fund it. You have to say, oh, here's I'm going to put up my own money and bet on myself. Uh, And I'm not uh, in a position to do either of those things because I'm not there in comedy yet. So Adam and Anthony just said, hey, you know, you you've got the material. If you're ready to record it, let's fucking do it. And they put it together. And, uh, you know, that was a really, you know, a huge piece of my comedy career and, and a huge milestone for me was something that they did, you know, essentially out of charity. They had nothing to gain from it. They had nothing financially to gain. I mean, they had to spend money to fill the room. No one's buying tickets to see this fat fuck. You're right. And, uh, it just, it was, pretty bonkers. So, uh, shout out to Adam. This one's for you. This is non-alcoholic probation officer. If you're watching, God, those are so good. An 8% non-alcoholic. So great. <laughs> uh, dude. So the, I, I haven't talked on here publicly about the weed charges really. Um, but I can go into that today cause it's kind of an interesting story. So, uh, 2020, when the pandemic hits, I get all big sad boy. I'm coming back to you know visit here. I end up meeting my uh, ex-wife. We fall in love. We get married. And then I decide to move out here to live with her. Um, my first trip out here is the like end of October, beginning of November of 2020. And uh, I grabbed enough stuff for like, Maybe two weeks, like two weeks worth of clothes. Uh, And then like I grabbed my weed and and like a bong. And uh, then Eli had uh, like a keyboard and a bunch of fucking musical cables in like a suitcase that he was like, hey, if you're driving, it would be helpful if you could bring these because he had already moved here. So I uh, pack up in the Prius and I'm driving and it's middle of pandemic shit. So the only place that I can stop that has like anything open in terms of hotels is Las Cruces, New Mexico, which at the time has the highest infection rate in the country. And regardless of what we know now, back then I was like fat. There's no vaccines. I don't really do much in terms of cardio. I got all those all those bad lung things from being a smoky boy. So I was about 90% sure I was going to die. Uh, so I was like, fuck, all right, mask up. So I stay in Las Cruces. I wake up the next morning and I'm driving in to Austin and uh I'm almost here I'm actually about 15 minutes away from where the studio is now in Dripping Springs and uh I'm I get pulled over because my license plate light is out now uh because I was driving a long distance I hadn't really thought about you know putting my weed away and you know I wasn't smoking while I was driving but I was smoking while I I was in in between places and so my weed is just in my open glove box and uh the officer that pulled me over noticed it Says, hey, you know, I see you've got marijuana in the car um, here. Fortunately, that's just a class B misdemeanor. So I don't have to arrest you, but I do have to search your vehicle. Uh, do you have anything else in the car that I need to be aware of? And I was like, nah, man, just weed. You know, it's me. I'm pothead. I just got pot. Uh, so he searches my car. Uh, first thing that he finds uh, is weed I've lost. So he just keeps going under the seats and in between the seats and doing like a really good job of searching. And he's, what is this? And I'm like, dude, it's still in the bag from the dispensary. It says weed on it. What are you asking me for? Uh, you know, he's mad because he thinks that I didn't tell him about it on purpose, but I'm like, dog, I didn't know it was there. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> I actually owe someone an apology that I thought stole that bag of weed. So, you know, <laughs> fuck you. Uh <clears throat> Then uh, he finds uh, my in-the-box still wax, uh, which is like a concentrate. And uh, he says, what is this? And I was like, more weed. And he says, this says it's concentrate. And I was like, yes, concentrated weed. That is what it is. Uh, and unfortunately, in the state of Texas, concentrate is considered a manufactured or controlled substance. So I had to be arrested and charged with a felony possession of a controlled substance. Ah. So he puts me in handcuffs. I'm very sad. You know, that's a it's not good to be arrested. Uh also, uh, if you don't know if you're fat and you get arrested, um and they don't want to put the handcuffs in front to be nice, uh sometimes they'll have to use two pairs of handcuffs so that you can have your hands touching. <laughs> uh so that's cool. You know, that always makes that's a nice little self-esteem boost in the middle of a felony. Uh, and then they, they continue to search my car because they're, you know, now intent because I'm getting a felony. They might as well find something else to throw at me. um, And they go through the suitcase with Eli's music equipment, which, again, just fucking like CLR cables and a keyboard. Uh, but also in there is his dog's medicine. Uh, Pablo, his dog, has a cough and he had some antibiotics for it. And he had thrown those in the bag, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but Pablo's name is Pablo Escobar. So I have a pill bottle full of pills that says Pablo Escobar on it. And he's shaking him at me. What are these? What are these? We have to get these tested. What kind of narcotics do you have? And I was like, look, man, it says Pablo Escobar. Um, if you go get my phone, I can show you him. Uh, and the the cop is going to get my phone. And at the time before I was robbed, I had two 18 inch subwoofers in my trunk. And uh, when my phone was plugged in, if my phone rang, and this was the fucking worst feature of all time, and I could never figure out how to fix it, if my volume on my phone was at full, not the car volume, but the phone volume was at full, then my ringtone would come in at full volume on the car. So when you have like super high-end aftermarket speakers, that is deafening. So normally I have my phone so that it doesn't ring, but you know I, I hadn't said it that way. So as he's going to get my phone out of the car, my phone rings, and my ringtone is the same thing it's been for oh, it's about thirteen years now. Uh Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Uh because it's a great song and I love it. And when the song came out I had a sexual awakening. Uh because at three minutes and three and a half seconds into the Party in the USA music video, Miley Cyrus twerked. Uh, and it was all we could talk about at college. So that was my ringtone. And so it goes off the power of a thousand sons. Cop gets scared. You know, <laughs> it's a crazy thing to hear very loud. Uh, he gets my phone, brings it over and then in handcuffs, I have to direct him to, you know, put my face ID on it. And he unlocks my phone and goes to Instagram and pulls up Pablo. So friend Pablo's fucking Instagram, which I still maintain is the only good reason why a dog would have an Instagram <laughs> is to help, uh, you know, not get an extra charge on my record. Uh, but so, you know, that's, that's the end of that. They, uh, impound my car, um, because it's dripping springs, they don't have their own cops. So it's the, uh, Hayes County sheriffs who were, who had pulled me over. So I was taken to the Hayes County jail. Uh, and for everybody else that was there charged with a felony, they were like real felonies, like uh fifth DUI and controlled substance like meth, you know? So I was, uh, a rowdy group on the drive there it's like 45 minutes from where we were to the fucking jail so we're talking a little bit and you know comes out that i'm a comedian or whatever and you know the cops saying you know uh man that's a real bummer i don't even think that we should be illegal it's like yeah man me either you know i don't i don't know what why are you t- why did you go to work today man what the fuck <laughs> you know and, uh, then like, we're about 10 minutes from the jail and, you know, we've been kind of joking back and forth. I'm trying to make the best of a shitty situation. And he says, Hey man, it'd be really funny if we get in there and you pretend to be deaf. I'm like, what? You know? And he's like, yeah, like that. And I'm like, no, but like, uh, why would I do that? And he's like, oh, you know, it'd just be funny. Right. And I was like, yeah, but for who? He's like us. I was like, yeah, man, I'm not having like a good time. I know you're at work, but this is like a bummer of a day for me, <laughs> right? So he checks me in. Uh, at this point, I think it's got to be, fuck, 1, 2 a.m., maybe 3 a.m. Uh, and I've called, uh, you know, a couple people to try and get me bailed out and get the ball rolling on that uh, so I don't have to spend too much time in jail. Uh, but while they're checking me in, I don't ever carry cash. I just, it's fucking stupid but I had, you know, know, sometimes I have some random cash in my pocket and I had like $3 and some change in my pocket from buying something. So when they check me in, they're making sure that I sign off on everything, that they're putting my belongings in a bag, and they put the $3 on there, and then I have to sign this whole release form that they can't return the cash or the the change to me, and then it'll be returned on a debit card. And it's this whole fucking thing, and like the, the penalty on activating the debit card for is like five dollars. So like the three seventy whatever that I'm putting on it is meaning that basically I would lose a dollar twenty five if they gave me this card. Uh, and I, I was laughing really, really hard at how stupid that was. And a couple of people got mad about that and were yelling shit at me. So then they throw me in the the tank with everybody else and. Um, I don't, if you've ever been to jail, there's always a couple people there that are like good at jail, which is so weird to be like that. It's everybody's good at something. You know, we all have our talents, uh, but some people's talent is they're like good at jail. And that's fucking weird. Like there was a guy that had, you know, some uh, food that he had saved from lunch that he was saving by drying it off with toilet paper and then wrapping it and putting it inside of these styrofoam cups and it, you know, work to keep the food good for like a day before you would get sick from eating it. And he knew that because he had tested it. And, you know, the, just a lot of weird conversations of people bragging about how much they know the system and what time things happen. And, you know, there's always new people coming in and a lot of them are kind of drunk or in disarray. And there's always a young kid that's like his first time getting arrested. That's like terrified. His life is over. Uh, and there's so there's one younger kid that's in there that's arrested for meth. And he's talking to an older guy that's on like his fourth meth arrest who has just been making phone call after phone call trying to get shit done. And I remember they bring around breakfast and it is a cup of powder, which turned out to be powdered milk. And then a tray and on the tray is gravy that looks like a low budget porn's cum. And then a single like sausage patty that I don't think was ever alive or part of anything living uh and then, in like the little like very shallow tray where you would put like green beans or the terrible vegetable medley on it like a cafeteria thing uh from school, they had just put like forty cornflakes, uh not frosted, just cornflakes, and so one of the you know good at jail guys. This is what you got to do is you take the cornflakes and you put them in with the powdered milk and then you put it under the, the water fountain and you mix those up and let them sit for a minute uh, and then you got cornflakes. And one of the things that he kept saying is, you know, it's really cool. At a lot of jails, the breakfast is shitty, but here, not only is this gravy fire, but these are real cornflakes. Like these are Kellogg's Frosted Flakes, real brain brand name these aren't any bullshit flakes and he kept saying that over and over and it made me so mad i turned around i was like hey man i just need you to know that they're not like these are not these are not name brand anything these are very terrible stop trying to make this sound better than it is these are this is jail food it's not it's not good shut up don't say this is good food anymore i hate you uh The other thing about jail uh, that's very interesting is they make it like really, really, really hard to kill yourself. Uh, But it's like all you want to do, you know, it's like, ah, it's such a bummer. So like even the phone cords aren't very long and the blankets, you can't really tie them in a knot. It's one of the reasons I look up to Jeffrey Epstein so much is that he was able to kill himself in jail. That's very, that's a talent. He was an entrepreneur and a, a prodigy of suicide. So I'm there, not killing myself, and uh, I curl up on the concrete floor as far away from the toilet as I can get. All the beds are taken by skinny people, which just seems rude, uh, but I don't want to fight. And uh, I finally pass out. You know, I've, I've been up for 20 something hours at this point, and finally pass out, falling asleep, leaning against the wall with my shitty carbon fiber blanket or whatever. I think it's made out of the stuff that they use for insulation in houses. Um, they're like, asbestos frank blankets but so i'm you know taking my nap and i get woken up to one of the guys like kicking me and he goes hey bro isn't that you i'm like what the fuck are you talking about he goes hey man they're watching you and i was like yeah dude they're watching all of us this is jail that's what jail is is when they watch you uh and you know i'm i'm being a smart ass because i'm mad he woke me up but i look and so there's the the 10 or 11 of us in this big cell that has like a toilet and a couple phones and a few beds. It's maybe 15 by 10 or so, maybe 20 by 10, but uh, it's, you know, so it's that room. And then there's a huge bulletproof, uh, like plexiglass, can't break it kind of scratched up window. And on the other side of that is the bullpen. Uh, And then there's like the female jail, like 20 yards away and all the processing stuff. And in the bullpen there's maybe ten cops at any given time or I don't know if they're still whatever they they wear cop uniforms, they're cops. Um and so there's like ten, twelve cops in there, and then there's a couple other people that are up behind security, usually, and then there's a few other, you know, people working at the jail doing cop stuff and work that are, you know, coming in and out. And all of them have now congregated and are gathered around the shitty old computer, which we need to buy cops new computers. That's crazy that they're still using like rear projection CRT monitors but so they're all sitting around watching this fucking 360p resolution YouTube video of my stand up <laughs> and the clip that they're watching uh it was for a long time I didn't have a good job like of managing my online presence and where my comedy came up so the first clip that I put online was of me at an open mic at a place called Las Papusas. Uh, shout out Michael Gonzalez for putting me on that, and uh, they filmed it. and It was the first time I'd had like a good set, and it had been caught on like a nice tape. But there's like maybe ten people, and it's a fucking Mexican restaurant, and I'm doing shitty dick jokes, and uh, it was the first thing I had, but it was the first thing I used to send to bookers to get on shows and be like, hey, here's a tape, you know, just something that was high quality and good sound. Uh, so it had the most views of anything on my YouTube. So if you searched Mike Eaton comedy, the first thing that came up was that video. So it wasn't good, uh, by any means. And it was, you know, a couple year years, maybe a year and a half old at that point. So, you know, not like not even where I was at then. And so I just watched myself bomb a bag of dicks through this fucking plexiglass window to these cops. Uh, it's just not a single laugh, chuckle, a couple of nervous stares over at me. I was like, Oh man, that's, that sucks. You know, I just want to pick up like the phone where you can talk to them and like, yeah, like, Hey, that's not for you. Don't watch that. There's better ones, you know? Uh, but so, you know, that old thing happens. Finally, my good friend, Matt picks me up from jail. Matt has had to pick me up from some crazy situations when I got roofied in downtown Austin and the paramedics found me slumped over in a parking lot and, uh, they, they, I woke up. at like 5 a.m. in an ambulance. Like, where the fuck am I? And they're like, Hey, we found you slumped over. And they, they did a blood test. And they had, I had two doses of roofies in my system, but you know, I didn't get the results back till later. But I have this vague memory of coming to in the ambulance, and then you know, kind of joking around with the paramedics. I get to the hospital. They won't let me check myself out, even though I feel fine at this point. And you know, it's 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. at this point. I don't know who to call. And Matt is my most responsible friend. So I called him, and uh, he picked me up. And the best part of that story is that I you know, found out, and I got roofied and told a lot of people. But I guess I, I had assumed he already knew. So I, like, it was like a year later that Matt finally heard me telling that story. Someone was like, you got fucking roofied? I thought you were just drunk, you idiot. <laughs> like, no. So Matt picked me up from the hospital. This time he's picking me up from jail. Uh, and, you know, so then... The problem, though, is getting arrested in the end of 2020, uh, especially in Hayes County, is that one possession of a controlled substance for weed isn't like a huge priority. I'm not like some scary criminal. Uh, And two, they have bunches of other crimes and stuff that's already been backlogged at this point. You know, going into March of 2020, when everything shut down, they had all the stuff they were still hearing from twenty nineteen. So they weren't able to do any jury trials because they couldn't have a jury, and they you know couldn't do any court dates or do anything to get this felony taken off my record. So you know I had a tough time finding an apartment that I could get accepted at because I have a felony. You know I was trying to apply for some day jobs, you know Uber Eats and all the shit that comedians do, and I can't do it because I have a felony. You know all this stuff, and it's like my life's just fucked because of this weed charge. Uh, You know, and then finally. Finally, you know, I go and uh, you know, my, I got a lawyer and he told me, you know, you have to quit smoking and drinking. So I did and uh, I quit everything and then I passed my drug test. And so then they put me on probation and dropped the felony down to a misdemeanor. So now that's why I'm not drinking and I just have my CBD and my non-alcoholic beverages um, because uh, I'm on probation uh, for my weed charge. But it's just such a fucking weird thing because all of the weed that that guy found was stuff that I would bought with like a debit card at a store, you know. Like I had a receipt for the stuff that was a felony here, uh, and just a like a whole trippy time. But you know, it's it's ended up being a pretty good good story and a, and a learning experience. Um, so yeah, so my time in Austin has been very interesting. I think if you've uh, been watching Giggle Boys and you, you watched that happen, and you heard a lot of these stories and you know pieces of it, but also because it's been a developing court case, I haven't really uh, been able to talk about it. Um, or the, you know, with the divorce stuff, you know, that's the long and the short of that is, um, we fell in love and got married very fast and, uh, you know, we were getting to know each other and what our lives were like. And a lot of our first, you know, few months and year together was, uh, during the pandemic stuff still. So life was very different and things were very different and the speed of things were different. And as comedy started to pick up and I had to spend more time doing that and, Uh, you know, her work situations would change and have difficulties there. Um, It just, it it came to a point where I was spending more time, effort, and energy focused on comedy than I was on uh, marriage. And uh, I thought that I was, you know, sacrificing towards something in the future, but really I was uh, just, a lot of it was me being selfish about me. And whether that's good or bad or, or whatever, everyone can make their own judgment side and you know it's a shitty situation, regardless, but um for me, at the end of the day uh i gotta i gotta put everything I have into comedy um and whether or not that's a great decision remains to be seen, but I can't uh blame someone for not wanting to feel second place so uh that's what happened there, but you know, I haven't been able to talk about the we charge or any of that uh because it's all been pending uh and Uh, The second one is finished, and if Brittany, if you're watching, sorry. I hope you're not mad. Uh, Please don't yell at me. Um, But, uh, you know, things have been weird, and 2022 has been a weird year. Um, I've had some really cool stuff, and you guys have gotten to see a lot of really awesome guests here with me. Um, I'm sure things will be back to normal next week. I'll have a cool guest on the show. We'll have uh, some fun conversations and story time. Um, But... uh, You know, until then, um, I uh, appreciate you guys very much in the comedy community at large. Um, There's been a lot of loss this year. Earlier this year, we lost one of the best to ever do it, Scotty Peterson. And uh, right after Scotty died, it was very nice to be able to go to the creek and have so many people around that were uh, so loving and caring. Uh, And to have so many people in this community that have reached out to check on me when I'm going through some tough stuff uh you know being a a smiley happy retard and having fun and making people laugh every night you know is uh it's great and it's amazing but i also 99% of the time when people ask how i'm doing i say great or living the dream you know or another day in paradise um because even if i'm doing shitty it doesn't do anyone good to talk about it uh usually but you know right now i'm not doing great uh i it's not uh it's not super awesome but um, that's okay, because things will get good again, uh, and there there will be more fun things to happen. And, you know, in the middle of some pretty terrible stuff and some terrible news and unfortunate situations and uh, a lot of bullshit, you know, uh, some very cool stuff has popped up. Um, on December 9th, uh, I'm going to do a five-minute guest spot for chad daniels at cap city comedy club uh chad daniels is my all-time favorite comedian uh he's i've been listening to is is a fat if you should know him he's one of the more popular guys he's one of the most streamed comedians and downloaded comedians of all time but uh it's been cool because i started listening to him when he was married and had you know young kids and was doing jokes about them being retarded and not understanding magnets and and you know it's was, it was cool hearing that and then you know, listen to him talk about, you know, then getting a divorce and then talking about his kids growing up and then the struggles of being a single father and then his son going through puberty. And, uh, you know, now you, you know, his last album, Dad Channels, uh, talking about his son, you know, starting to be more of an adult and starting to come to and turning 18. And, uh, you know, he just actually a couple of days ago on uh, Friday, Saturday, I believe, uh, recorded two specials in one night back to back. Uh, At the Orpheum in Madison So he's just a a prolific comedian He's been on the road for 20 years Just fucking slaying And I've looked up to him Since before I really even started doing comedy In uh, 2017 at Moon Tower Comedy Festival uh, He was here and did a few shows And I didn't buy a ticket to the whole pass um, but I Or a pass to the whole fest But I did buy individual tickets To the three shows he was on And in between the second show at Velveeta Room, and the third show at The Parish, uh, which Small World is now the new Sunset venue. Uh, Chad is walking over The Parish to do Josh Adam Meyer's goddamn Comedy Jam. And I ran into him and asked for a picture and said, hey, man, you know, I hope I don't sound like a douche. I just, I really look up to you and I appreciate you. And he said, you're not a douche at all. And we took a picture and then a year later, I messaged him saying, hey, man, you know, you, you were a big part of encouraging me to actually finally start comedy. And you, he gave me some really cool advice. And then uh, February of this year, when he announced he was coming, he said, hey, you know, I uh, I messaged him. I was like, hey, you know, I saw that you're coming to Austin. I'd really love uh, to open for you. I've gotten a lot better. And uh, hosting for you would be an absolute dream. If there's anything I could do to make that happen, uh, please let me know. And he said he would look into it, which he didn't even have to do. And then he responded I, when I checked in a, a few weeks ago saying, Hey, you know, um, a good friend of mine is going to be hosting that, they're, that they found out they're surprising me with, but I'd love for you to do a guest spot on my show. So that's a, you know, a real dream come for tr- true for me. Um, in, and also getting to be in the green room and, and you know hear that's going to be very cool. And then getting to go watch his new set, uh, I'm super fucking pumped for. Uh, and just to see, you know, the, the version of the hour that he just did, especially right after recording it, I'm sure there was a couple things where he was like, Oh, what if I did this or I did that? Or something that, you know, he knows for the edit that he wants specific word order or from one night or the other. So it'll be cool to see something that's that polished. Uh, or if he just goes off script, you know, it's, there's no telling what he's going to do or what jokes he's going to say. And I'm fucking here for it and excited. Uh, And I think, I'm pretty sure if he's still touring, Rand Barnaclo should be his feature, who I have not seen live, but his album uh, that I listened to after listening to the Middle of Somewhere recommendation was one of my favorites that I've ever listened to and truly a unique uh, take on the comedy experience. So that was very cool. And then, uh, in super exciting news, I am teaming up with Besame, my favorite ice cream food truck uh, down off of... uh, Down off uh, 71 near Meanwhile Brewery out in front, the little pink truck. Uh, I have a love affair with that ice cream that started uh, just some fucking foodie on Instagram. I think actually A Taste of Coco is who posted about it that I saw originally because she did a collaboration flavor with them that had Lucky Charms in it, which I'm a sucker for. And uh, they do really incredible flavors. Everything is made from scratch in a house, the ice creams, the sauces, the mix-ins. And they, they have a few that have just been out of this world. And when I got on the kill Tony episode with Theo Vaughn, one of the things I was talking about was their smoked peach sundae. Uh, There's a barbecue truck in that same little plaza called Distant Relatives that is 10 out of 10 out of this world. And they smoked their peaches, and then they mixed them with uh, sweet cream ice cream and cobbler pieces uh, and and like a fresh whipped cream on top. And it was... I'm getting worked up. It was really good. So I talked about that on Kiltoni, and they're like, "These guys fucking sponsor you?" And I was like, no, I just I'm fat. I like ice cream, and uh, I guess a few people sent that to them. And I, you know, I've made friends with the owners just from being a fan of the ice cream. And we sat down and talked about it. So coming in January, we're going to be releasing a collaboration flavor. I'm designing my own flavor from scratch, uh, which you know means it's going to be fat as hell and delicious. Uh, And mark your calendars because January 20th, we're going to do an event at the truck where if you can make me laugh, you get a free scoop of ice cream. And if you show me that you don't give a fuck about New Year's resolutions and you cancel your gym membership, you get a free pint. So uh, I think that's going to be really fun. And it's very silly. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, I don't gain 600 pounds, uh, but. You never know uh it's pretty much a fat kid's dream that I'm sponsored by an ice cream truck uh, It's really cool i I said this to myself the other day and and because I'm schizophrenic and I like to speak to myself, but I think it's actually um pretty beneficial if it, and it's something that brought a small bit of solace in the middle of some dog shit. If you could go back to your sixteen year old self and just brag to them for five minutes about the shit going on in your life. That is a really easy way to make a cool gratitude list. Cause I mean, you know, dude, if I, if I could go back to 16 year old me that thought he was hot shit because he was on a football team and using his dad's credit card to bang whores. Like if I could go back to him and be like, Hey man, you're going to be a comedian that's sponsored by a bong company, your best friend's cricket bar company and an ice cream truck you like, man, that's fucking sick. You're like, yeah, and you got a bunch of retard tattoos that make people laugh. Um, also, shout out uh, Jeremiah. He, he was on the pod and did the uh, butterfly, but recently I went and got a new one. Uh, I got a milkshake on my hand, and it is a handshake uh, because that's so stupid, and I love it. And in true Mike fashion, um, I'd been talking about getting a milkshake tattoo for a while, and I wanted it, and I couldn't decide where to put it. And, uh, then it got cold and I was walking around I had a jacket on and I was looking down at my hands and I have the mistake and I had this microphone and I, and I was looking at those and I was like, man, it looks cool to have tattoos on your hands when you're wearing long sleeves. Cause then it's like, whoa, are there more tattoos? Who just has hand tattoos? I wonder what's under there. And I, so I was like, I want to get a hand tattoo. So I decided to get a milkshake on my hand, uh, just with Jeremiah talking and then when he drew it up to put in the paperwork so I could pay when I got there um the girl at the front desk goes oh a handshake and that was when we both realized that it was also a pun so uh not the brightest bulb in the crayon shed but I am uh you know full of punny tattoos um I don't think that there's any benefit to me Figuring out more word salad for more time to fill out this hour episode. Um, but, uh, I just, I would encourage you all to, um, one of the things that I am going to try to do, uh, in remembering Adam is to hug my fellow comedians, uh, as often as possible because, uh, most of you are going to die pretty soon. Uh, and probably me too. And, uh, that's, just the nature of the business and so we should cherish the time we have with each other and appreciate it um we're all working very hard towards different things and uh it could be a very lonely grind especially because you're the only one on stage at a time so i think having that fellowship and community and uh the same way that you know adam was always there supporting us um and the, the other artists in our community i think that It would be great if we could all take some time to do that. Uh, So uh, thank you guys, and I appreciate you very much. This has been Highly Social with Mike Eaton. Uh, Rest in peace, Adam.